Hello, and welcome to Anime Audio Commentary. Today I'll be commenting on episode 1 of Tomo-chan is a Girl. If you'd like to watch along, then start watching now. So, I'd heard a little bit about this anime, mainly from the source material. You know, I'd read a little bit now and then, but... I figured it would be a nice change of pace to watch a romantic comedy like this, especially after finishing up a romantic comedy like Chainsaw Man. I mean, I guess it helps that I am a certified tomboy enjoyer, but I seem to recall that there were quite a few elements of farce in this, and personally, I love a good farce. Now, one thing I do think is kind of interesting, you know, in a sort of meta context, is that the source material was a yonkama, which is to say, like, a four-panel gag manga, you know, very sort of, um... Uh, maybe stream of consciousness isn't quite the right term, but it's rather, like, kind of, like, self-contained in the way it tells the overall story. But that it would be adapted into something with a 20-minute runtime, I think, is interesting. Because I feel like it would lend itself to more of a short form of animation. But I don't know. Like, I, I guess the people who made it know better than I do. So just to put a fine point on everything, you know, Tomo finds herself in a rather unfortunate situation where she has somebody who is ostensibly a friend and a neighbor, and she loves him, but, you know, I guess she's so tomboyish that, you know, he just sort of, uh, he doesn't quite get it. And, you know, maybe it was the translation I was reading at the time. But it seemed to me that it wasn't entirely clear whether this guy didn't realize Tomo was actually a girl. And he was just, like, kind of really, really slow. Or he knew she was a girl but didn't, like, see her that way. In the same sense that, you know, you don't really think of family members as viable members of the opposite sex. You know, it seems to me that based on these subtitles, he does kind of know, but it's just like, it's one of those things, it's like you wouldn't date your sister. So already... It seems like Tomo doesn't really have anybody in her corner. Even her friend is sort of like... Oddly, uh... Maybe not vengeful, but she tends to hold a grudge, or so it seems. You know, like... Well, you know, it's, you never, like, played with me when we were, like, little kids. You know, you never wanted to play dolls, so, like, I'm not gonna help you right now. It's like... You know, that was like over a decade ago, surely. You know, it's probably not that big a deal. Nevertheless, 
She does have some good advice for Tomo. You know, maybe start dressing a little more girly. Maybe change how you talk a little bit. So she is changing how she's speaking, but, you know, it's not producing the desired effect, unfortunately. And I guess I can kind of see what Junichiro's saying. I mean, I don't exactly know how an old man sounds in relation to how she's talking, but, you know, the way the voice actor's speaking, I can definitely hear a pronounced difference. It is interesting, though, that Almost everything sort of resolves in violence, you know. Sometimes there's only one solution. Now, it would seem as though... This is kind of interesting, because, you know, Tomo... Her sort of tomboyish style has been ingrained to her for a long time, it would seem. But at the same time, you know... Tomo makes it pretty clear that even when she and Junichiro do get into, like, an actual fist fight, you know, winning is out of the question. Now... I'm kind of curious about, like, what precisely the pace is here, but seeing with all the stuff we've gone through, I'd imagine we've gone through quite a few Yonkama strips by now. I might have to look into that and see what the actual pacing is, because, like, I'd imagine that confession in the very beginning, that was one strip. And, like, any of these gags where it ends with Tomo punching him in the face, that's probably the end of a strip, too. Man, friendzone again. So they do sort of resolve their scuffle, but it's just sort of returning to the status quo, which is no good. So once again, Misuzu makes a pretty decent point here. You know, why are you not eating lunch with the person you want to become romantically involved with? You know, if the opportunity prevents itself, why not take it? And there is a certain amount of sense in that. But at the same time, Misuzu sort of like... stifling things a bit by inviting herself along, too. I guess the idea here is, you know... You take baby steps. You know, you need to walk before you can run. Unfortunately, it seems like Tomo had the better idea that, you know, everybody eating lunch together would only cause more problems. So, you know, that is kind of gross, just eating, using somebody else's utensils like that. Because, like, on the one hand, there's that whole stereotype of the indirect kiss and all that. But, that aside, you know, that's just kind of gross. Oh, dear. 
So in classic Fars tradition, it would seem as though a rather innocuous conversation is being entirely misrepresented. Like, Junichiro says Tomo has good feet and she knows how to use them, and he's talking about that in the martial arts context, but good lord, people who like feet, like... Frankly, the less that's said about them, the better. Certainly not for me. So naturally, you know, this is going to be rather, um antagonizing. I'd imagine Misuzu sort of did this on purpose to try and get Tomo to beat up Jun a bit. I mean, he didn't really deserve it, you know. He just answered the question as he understood it. So this is where things, I think, get a little bit interesting because people are starting to talk behind other people's backs and they're sort of scheming and acting conniving, you know. This guy wants to sort of push Tomo and Jun together, as does Misuzu, but, you know, she doesn't want the competition even though they would be ostensibly working towards the same goal. It's interesting. It's oddly territorial in a weird kind of way. You know, I definitely don't understand that sort of thinking. Oh dear. So it would seem as though they're both relying on Tomo to share an umbrella with them. You know, that reminds me of an old song by the Hollies. I think it was called Bus Stop, but it was basically like a love song where, like, the whole thing starts out because the guy was sharing his umbrella with a girl while waiting for the bus. That's a really neat song, so I... I don't know if that was influenced... Or if that was an influence on this, you know, surely it couldn't have been. But... I don't know, I like that kind of thing. So, you know, there's a little inkling that Jun cares a bit, you know. His hobby of martial arts isn't worth it if Tomo isn't in the same club. And it would seem as though she is in the same club, even though it's sort of segregated by sex. So, I guess they made a bit of a weird exception for her. Now, that was, um... That was an incredibly petty thing to do. To just sort of shove somebody into the rain like that, but... I'm not sure what to make of that, honestly. It's like, you know... You're talking some real bad crap right now, so I'm going to push you out into the rain. There's like a real... I don't know, like a... A juvenile aspect to it that... I don't know. It doesn't really fit, but at the same time, I like it. So naturally, 
Misuzu sort of strong arms Tomo into sharing the umbrella with Jun. But ultimately, you know, nobody's really capitalizing on this opportunity. Because, like, part of the appeal is that the umbrella has a limited surface area, so if nobody wants to get wet, you're going to have to get close to each other. Oh dear, I feel like this guy doesn't, uh... He doesn't realize who he's dealing with here, you know? She just sort of stole his umbrella. Like, considering how she referred to him to his face as pure scum, I feel like, you know, maybe... Maybe he should limit interactions with her. Oh dear, so sharing the umbrella wasn't enough, you know, Tomo has managed to soak herself and naturally a white shirt like that's going to become rather transparent, you know. If sharing an umbrella was awkward before, it's going to be uncomfortably awkward now. So here we have Tomo at the Karate Club. And it is notable that she's the only girl in the club, so, you know, what they were sort of mentioning before is true. She's in the club with Jun and other people, where, you know, a girl might not otherwise belong. And apparently it's just due to her prodigious skill. I mean... She refers to this guy as senpai, which is to say an upperclassman or a senior or something like that. And that she just sort of like laid him out like that, you know. I feel like that speaks to her skill. Alright, yeah, so there we have it. You know, the reason why Tomo-chan can't be in the girls' club is because, you know, her first match, she, like, really laid into somebody. That's rather unfortunate that it's for everybody else's safety that she's in this club. I mean, I feel like there are remedies to that situation. Like, you know, yeah, you smacked somebody into next week, but, you know, you can sort of, like... Restrain yourself, surely. Oh dear. Yeah, you know, he has in fact found her womanly charm. You know, both of them. Oh dear. You know, I'm wondering if this show is eventually going to, like, veer and take the route that you don't need to change in order to get what you want. Basically, like, you know, Tomo doesn't need to become more girly in order to get with Jun. She just sort of has to accept who she is. 
I feel like it's almost sort of setting up something like that, but I don't know enough about the source material other than it went on, like, for quite a while. Oh, dear. So it seems like there's another farce being set up here. You know, those two girls, they thought that, you know, Tomo was just another guy hanging out with somebody they liked. But if she's a girl, that means she's competition. And those two sort of seemed like the delinquent type. So I can only imagine things will become interesting. Naturally, they don't know who they're going to be picking on if, indeed, they try to sort of, like, tacitly threaten Tomo from hanging out with, uh, whatever that guy's name was. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. So, not only is Misaki, that's his name, is he captain of the club, Jun has totally misunderstood and just sort of assumes he's a girl. Whoops. You know, I'm wondering if maybe Jun just sort of like, can't tell the difference by people just by looking at him. Like, I get that guy did kind of look somewhat effeminate, but, you know, I'm almost reminded of, um, like, early on in Dragon Ball, where Goku couldn't tell who was a man and who was a woman just by looking at him. He had to, um, confirm his suspicions, so to speak. So here we go, you know, these two girls from before, they are giving a tacit threat you know meet us behind the gym after school the implication being we are going to beat you up but you know only now are they realizing they've basically just sort of like stepped right into the snake's den So if that weren't bad enough, these two girls are presumably asking their third friend, who was essentially Tomo's first and only victim in the female karate club. I mean, I feel like while it's good they're sort of thinking about this idea again, you know, they're kind of getting the wrong idea about Tomo. It's not like she's actually going to beat them up if they just apologize. Presumably. I mean, she's even saying to her friend, you know, I won't beat them up too much if they try to make an issue of things. And, you know, good for her. You know, no, no lasting injuries. You know, you just gotta, like, rattle them a bit. Now, naturally, Tomo's friend seems to be a bit of a voice of reason here, you know. You don't have to settle everything with your fists. Sometimes you can use your words, and perhaps that would be the more feminine thing to do. 
But at the same time, she's also sort of offering to crush them socially and ruin their social life, which I feel like is even more insidious than just slapping them around a little bit. Well, if nothing else, Tomo's approach seems to be working rather well. Okay, so yeah, I'm glad that they're sort of resolving this reasonably, because, you know, in typical farce fashion, things would escalate and escalate and escalate, but, you know, they're just sort of saying, hey, we saw you being chummy with Misaki-senpai, you know, could you put in a good word for us or something like that? And it's almost a win-win, you know, Tomo helps them and indeed feels more girly for being useful in a matter like this. Granted, I'd imagine these two girls don't want to spend any more time around Tomo than they need to, considering they thought they were going to get pummeled. But, you know, everything worked out surprisingly well. And it really is interesting that just something simple like being asked for advice was enough to bolster her confidence to such a degree that, you know, she's in a good mood. So, uh, naturally her friend is here to drag her back down to earth, you know. Don't get too confident just yet. Man, you know, it really does seem that it's a point of contention as to whether or not she really is a girl. Imagine being such a tomboy that people really can't tell.
Alright, well that's it for this episode. If you've enjoyed it, then by all means, tune in for the next one. See you, Space Cowboy.